Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. 12.35 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody, on our Ashley Five Floors text line at 7-8-0-4-9-6-0-0-6-3. We mentioned uh, Mike Tyson and the fact that Brendan Escott spent seven hours. He missed Friday's show because he was getting tattooed up, and I asked him, if he got a face tattoo like Mike Tyson, he said, that's one dude I wouldn't want to scrap with. That opened up a whole barrage of texts on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Who wouldn't want you? Who would you not want to uh, scrap with? And uh, several uh, for George LaRock, who's a regular contributor for the show. Several for Dave Semenko, God rest his soul. Several for Mike Tyson, a couple for Brock Lesnar. Again, you can text us on that front. We also hit on the situation in Arizona. KDK says, Bob, uh, it doesn't matter how big the TV market is. If nobody cares and your team is a joke, they allow cap circumvention. They've had more owners than Edmonton nightclubs. Uh, they've made it past the first round of the playoffs once. Maybe uh, the team moves somewhere. Uh, they might have uh, an ounce of success. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Coyotes named Paul Bissonnette as the next GM just to be uh, true and relevant from KDK. Uh, this on the heels of John Chaka's little bit less than surprising was it a resignation did he quit and a response from the team as well well we bring aboard our nhl insider john shannon who's got uh you're going to be busy in the next uh, 15 minutes john we got a lot of texts coming in we did did you have you seen mike russo's piece uh by the way yeah i read the, it this morning yeah boy that's a good piece eh really is and i mean mike has a great relationship with the wild and Obviously, they were very cooperative with their time at the Sutton Place and supplying some pictures and some background information, and uh, uh, it gives you a real insight of, of what uh, the planning has been done by Steve Mayer and the people of the NHL. And similar situation here in Toronto, Bob, where uh, the Royal York Hotel, the grand uh, dame of, of hotels in Toronto, is surrounded by black tarp that says Stanley Cup Playoffs. Um. We will uh, mention, I mean, in, in, in this situation, and there's, we don't have, you might have all the answers. I'm not going to profess to have all the answers on this just because I don't. Uh, I found that uh, piece by Mike really quite uh, educational. Uh, but one thing that has, that I was concerned about, John, was the last two weeks for the NHL. And today, the uh, NHL, we've already done our NHL Today uh, read uh, for the folks at Elite Promotional Marketing, but just the, the numbers coming in and not one positive test over the last uh, week, two pe- tests positive as we went into Phase 3. Now we go into Phase 4. Are you? I mean, this is, this bodes well for the National Hockey League. The, it shows the amount of discipline that uh, the players uh you know, obviously took, and maybe a little bit of luck along the way, the fact that they've only had two positive tests over the last two weeks. Here's the one thing I would say, Bob, and in talking to, gosh, a ton of people at different teams, is the the framework that was created by the the CMO of the NHL and his committee on the, on the, on the infectious... Um, to, every team followed it properly uh the training staff the medical team 
uh, did an amazing job, a truly amazing job of making sure that the rules and regulations were passed and the guys were were following them. You know, they they were going from their houses to the practice rink. They were taking their tests. They were do, taking their temperature. They were doing their tests, and they weren't out gallivanting. You know, um, and uh, and that's that is the key to all this. Is the players and the staffs of each of the teams had to stay focused. Well, again, the NHL announcing today zero positive COVID-19 results among the 800 players tested during the second week of formal training camps. With that in mind, the NHL notes two positive COVID tests total for the two weeks of the training camp. Mm-hmm. But we're not out of the woods next. Uh, the next two weeks are incredibly important, aren't they, in terms of se- totally securing that bubble? Here's, here's the biggest concern I think that everybody has within this system. Uh, is uh, as much as we want to call it a bubble, it's not a perfect bubble in either Toronto or Edmonton. Uh, And that's because there are people working at the arena. Uh, There are people working in the hotels and working in the restaurants that are not in quarantine like the players. Uh, and certainly they're going to be monitored. Certainly they're going to be, uh, they're, they're, they've been uh, uh, told to, to watch themselves and, and they have a responsibility. Um, but we've, one thing we've learned with this virus, Bob, in the last five months is, is that uh, it will prey on anybody at any time, uh, no matter where you are, whether you're at home, whether you're walking the street, whether you're in front of an ATM, whether you're on a telephone. Uh, it, will, it will attack. Uh, and that's the one thing we have to be concerned about. And that's not just the next two weeks. To me, that's, you know, that's for the duration of, of, the, of the hub cities um, for, from that perspective. Uh, you know, I mean, look what's happened in baseball in the last 24 hours, Bob. Yep. You know, the, the, the Miami Marlins get infected. They infect, the, they infect the Philadelphia Phillies. The tests aren't back yet. Two games canceled tonight. You know, that's what, that's what we're up against with this virus. John, I want to switch focus to Arizona and what's going on there. Um, you know, when stories percolated last week, and Elliot Friedman did a great job in this stuff, that uh, Taylor Hall met with the, the new owner, mm-hmm. uh, the CEO, and the owner's son, who it appears as though is going to be taking on a fair amount of responsibility in that organization. He is in the Arizona's bubble. That is his, you know, their organization's prerogative. Um how does this, I mean, John Chaka, you know, sort of came out of nowhere, boom, was brought in by, we'll mention, by Gary Drummond out of Regina in what now is two owners ago uh, because Andrew Barraway took over from that Canadian group. Uh, well, Drummond, let's face it, Drummond, Drummond LeBlanc, Daryl Jones, the Ice Age guys, uh, George Gosby of Calgary, the late George Gosby was yes. part of that group as well. Uh, they they thought they had brought the franchise back to life, and then they were going to reinvent the wheel by hiring John Chaka, the, the yes. wonder child at 26 years old, to run their hockey team. And that's so he uh, now. Do we know what was the story on why there was an, the the ice uh, was was ice edge was was part of it to do with Canadian tax and and on. Uh, valuations and companies increasing, so they were going to have to pay tax for what was perceived as growth, even though they weren't. They were losing money hand over fist. And do you know? Did Gary have to go out and basically find an American owner as a result of it? Like what happened? There? I, I I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I, I think in the end, uh, the timing of uh, of of Andrew Barraway and uh, finding someone to buy a, a a majority interest for the Ice Age guys became 
I mean, these, most of those guys were investment bankers and hedge fund guys. Right. You know, they're in, they're not in it to win the Stanley Cup as much as they are. They were in it to make money. Right. Uh, and uh, and uh, they they uh, they went as far as they could and and made uh, and actually made a profit. Uh, in their short period of time that they were the owners okay, so of they the, brought, uh, the Coyotes. They, they brought Cheka in. Uh, Cheka stayed with Barraway. And uh-huh. Elliot reported Alex Morelos. Is that how you pronounce the new owner's Alex name? Alex Morelos. Morelos. Uh, yeah. uh, Cheka was part of basically bringing him into the fold? Is That's kind of how it got uh, written. Is that I mean, is that what your sources tell you? Well, no, no, no. I mean, we, we, you know, in the end... Um, in the end, I mean, the, the the driving force of bringing Alex Morelos into the into Arizona was Gary Bettman, right, <laughs> and Bill Daly, uh, which, which has you know, as we all know, with the history of that franchise, it has been part of that has been I mean, that that has been a, a hill that Gary and Bill have died on many times. Um, and, but when you sell a team on its future. You know, you, you sell them on what the general manager has done. And in many ways, what Cheka has done, it's taken them four years, but what Cheka had done was turn a situation around. They weren't looking bad. And I think that John, John is a, John's a really smart man. John's a really good salesperson. And anytime you'd want to sit down with a, a pr- prospective owner, you'd want John Cheka at the table to sit there and tell you what was going on with the hockey club. Right. So this uh, this situation right now, I mean, the the, the language that was used uh, specifically by the Coyotes t- uh, release yesterday, that that's atypical for what you see happen usually when there's a uh, well, you, you know what I mean? Here's, let me let me let me let me go out on a limb on this one, Bob, and and, and just give you an opinion, not not necessarily uh, uh, somebody something that somebody told me, but something that I have observed and what we've seen in our game. Um, there's a new type of owner. Uh, there's an owner that has made hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in hedge funds and in loans and in investments and broadcasting, as Morelos did in, in, uh, in broadcasting. Um, and they get wined and dined to become owners of sports teams. Uh, and you and you can put Morelos on this list. You can put Jeff Vinnick in Tampa on this list. You can put Vinny Viola on this list. Thomas Dundon, the guys in New Jersey, on this list. Um, and many of them come to the table with saying that they can do it better and do it different. Uh, and what they find out in time, and some of them find out longer term, shorter term. Some of them are still finding it out that sometimes you can't change the way things are done in professional sports. Now, Vinny Viola has struggled with what he's tried to do. Now we're hearing stories about, you know, Dale Talon being possibly in trouble again, as he was when they went away from him the first time. Look what's happened with Ray Shiro in New Jersey. Um, You know, Morelos went in probably with a plan of attack to say, I want to do it this way. Um, and uh, and I don't care what the the ebbs and flows of the game of hockey are. That John Chaka wants to talk to other teams just to create positive networking opportunities. We're going to do it our way, and that's why they wrote the release the way they did. They wrote that as an aggressive private businessman, not somebody who works in a in a 31, soon to be 32, club league, 
uh, that, ha- that most of the time basically works together. So I-, I just think it's a learning curve when it comes to new ownership. Some of the new owners do it very well. Jeffrey Vinnick in Tampa has done magnificently. Some of the other new owners learning on the job, like Tom Dundon and perhaps now Alex Morales. Uh, John, when you were on the floor for the uh, 84-85, one, you know, greatest team in NHL history, you were part of that event. We flew back that day from uh, San Jose that morning. Yeah. And do you know who I spent part of the evening with? Uh, Recall which NHL team was playing the Oilers the next day? Florida Panthers. And Vinny oh, Viola. Oh, oh, Vinny, oh, actually, Vinny Viola came in for that event. You're right. Yeah. yeah. He. Uh, so I, I got a chance to spend about an hour with him. Yeah, and no, he's a fascinating guy. He you know, is I mean, a, listen, here's a guy that actually was invited to be in Trump's cabinet, you know, a, a secretary yeah. of the army, and turned it down. I remember we started talking about Alexei Hepaniemi, and he's like, well, how does the Edmonton radio guy know who Alexei Hepaniemi And I'm like, because that's... Well. That's come on. That's Canadian media. That's guys, funny. Right? I do. If I walked into Vinny Viola's office, he'd probably say, "You know, I sat beside Bob Stoffer." I highly doubt that. That's <laughs> twice you've done that, John. One more time, and we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sick Mike Tyson on you if you keep that up, Big Man. Hey, I met Evander Holyfield once, though. I can tell you that. Uh, uh, who? Well, you know, if Mike wasn't biting his ear. Well, I tell you, this is post ear, and it is ugly. I can tell you that. It, it was ugly. We met, I met him in Barcelona, Spain in 1992 at the Olympics. It was a, a fun afternoon. The only thing he wanted to do was eat ice cream. Yeah. So uh, Rod Black and I, our anchor, all we did was bribe him with ice cream to get an interview out of him. So. Was that post-year? I think that was pre... Uh, pre 92? Yeah, Mike was... I think, wasn't Mike in prison in 92? I, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I don't have his bio in front of me. Did you, uh, did you do any of the basketball in 92? Well, I was I was uh, in charge of uh, the primetime lineup of uh, of the Olympics. So we did uh, the, the the venue, uh, the, the actually our venue producer for basketball uh, in 1992. If I remember, if, if I'm remembered, was Paul Jones. He really? was our venue producer for uh, for uh, the, the the Dream Team show. All right, uh, John. Uh, you know what? This is a, 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 an easy transition for us. So you know how locked down uh, the Olympics are, the Olympic Village, and again, uh, yep. we already hit on. But we've got a couple questions here that maybe you can answer. They're actually having a broadcaster's call right now. Uh, somebody asked about the potential of holograms in the uh, for visuals for television. Is that a is that a possibility? For fans to be in the crowd? No, like that they would have holograms of fans or whatever, and so it would oh. pretend. I don't believe I've heard anything to that regard. Do you, have you? No, neither have I. I. I haven't heard much of anything like that. Um, you know, we're hearing about the, them putting some uh, some crowd noise, uh, some chants. The NBA is doing similar stuff. Uh, Steve Mayer and his people have been probably been very creative. The dressing of the uh, of the arena looks spectacular. Uh, it's. Uh, I, I think we're going to be. Uh, I, I think we're going to be really impressed with what we see, uh, starting with the with the exhibition games and and for good on on Saturday, Bob. But the one thing I would say is that what we necessarily start with on August the first, by the time we get to the Stanley Cup final, it may have morphed into something else because I think they will get a real sense of what the viewers and the fans like. Uh, and how much better they want it. And I think that that's one of the great things is that the NHL keeps an open mind of how they present it. Well, they mentioned there are up to 32 camera uh, locations. How many uh, sort of, you know, when you were producing games, how many camera locations would you traditionally have had at that (laughs) time for a regular season game? Well, regular season game, I can tell you, we did the Stanley Cup final in 1984 with six cameras. 
You know, that being said, I I hope, John, that they don't, you know, there's 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 the play-by-play cameras that were, I mean, those in are the basic, regular spots, yeah. In the regular spots, and I hope that is where the majority, uh, I know from a broadcaster, because we're all in the same position, all the regional broadcasters for TV, all the radio broadcasters around the league, we're going to be dependent upon uh, that camera work because uh, of, now I, it, here's the here's the one thing I would say is and there's been a lot a little bit of noise made here in Toronto that NBC they brought Americans in to produce the host feed uh, here in in Toronto, uh, but in my opinion uh, the, the the four people that are in charge of the of the world feed in uh, in Edmonton Mark Askin Ron Forsyth Paul Griss John Zapala producers and directors uh, I have known them all for years uh, they have done Olympics. Uh, have they have done big games they understand how important it is to be safe with the game and yet be creative and yeah. i fully expect I, I fully expect the shows and the games coming out of edmonton to be m- much more complete much more thorough than the ones out of toronto early on at least hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As, as the Americans learn how to give a world feed, whereas we Canadians have been giving world feeds for as long as we've been alive. Final one for you today, John. Uh, the passing of Eddie Shack. Uh, we had Eddie on the show last year. Ken Reed, who used to join me on uh, Trainwreck Tuesdays uh, before he left and uh, became an international star of fame and fortune out of Toronto. And an author. And an author. Yes. Well, that's why we had him on because the Eddie Shack book he wrote. Uh, but he lined us up with Eddie. Uh, perhaps educate our younger listeners about how unique and and uh, special of a personality. Eddie was in the game, and I mean, he was one of the first brand endorsers before anybody else. He was listen. He was a guy that lived in Sudbury, Ontario, could not read or write even in his adult years, uh, and became uh, a mainstay on on a Stanley Cup championship Toronto Maple Leaf team in the '60s. Uh, became a fan favorite because he played the game with a smile on his face. He was tough. He would fight. He would aggravate. He was a uh, he was one of those guys that would stir the pot long before there was a whole uh, era of guys like Kenny Linsman the Rat and Brad Marchant. I mean, Eddie Shack was maybe one of the original ones like that. He was he was different than anybody else, but he still had some pretty good skills. You know, he started as a New York Ranger, came to Toronto, and then became a journeyman around the NHL because he loved the game so much. And wherever he went, he became a fan favorite because he could still skate, he could shoot the puck, uh, and he loved people. And uh, to his dying days, uh, he became one of the iconic members of the Toronto Maple Leafs of the 60s because his ability to smile and, and just have fun. Clear the track for Eddie Shack. First NHL player to score 20 goals with five different franchises yeah, as yeah. well. No, he was, he was, he was, you know, the two toughest guys in hockey 
uh, that we uh, we saw every Saturday night were Eddie Shack in Toronto and John Ferguson in Montreal. And we always talked about how they fought. We never gave them credit for being very good hockey players, and yep. both of them were 20-goal scorers, multiple 20-goal scorers, and both of them were very good hockey players. It's funny. Eh? Fergie comes from Vancouver, and uh, when I there was there was a time Milan Lucic had a similar hairstyle to John Ferguson. Obviously, <laughs> Milan was, but Mil- Milan could score as well at stages in his career, and uh, Fergie retired. Uh, it was surprisingly early for a lot of yes, people. Well, he, he quit to join uh, and ended up becoming Harry Sinden's assistant coach with Team Canada. 1972. John, great stuff on Wednesday, uh, if you could. Uh, we'll give you a heads up on this. We're going to ask for your predictions on the qualifiers, okay? Well, now, do I have to study who's playing or do I know by now? Uh, well, uh, perhaps you know. Per, you know what? Perhaps you can call your friend Vincent Viola up and find out what he has to think. Well, no, because he'll just say, "Talk to my buddy Bob." <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Take care, John. See you later. See ya. It is twelve fifty-four in Edmonton. We do have an update from Oilers practice uh, again. No media availability for the practices during uh, this bubble stretch right now. Uh, Dave Tippett, the Oilers head coach, uh, Ryan Rashog, Jason Greger, Reed Wilkins, uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman, Mark Spector all reporting. Dave Tippett says uh, Riley Shane did not practice today after leaving scrimmage on Saturday. Gaetan Haas took his spot, centering Andreas Athanasiu and Josh Archibald Kara remained. Jujar Kara with James Neal. And Alex Chase on the Oilers had everybody else accounted for at practice today. Twelve fifty-five in Edmonton. You can text us at any time. Uh, <laughs> Troy in a Hemi says Bob Speck wrote a piece suggesting Broberg passed Lagesson and Bouchard and Jones on the Oilers depth chart. Your thoughts from Troy in a Hemi? Well, I think he Troy. I think Speck said pass Lagesson and Bouchard. Um, I don't know if he specifically said Caleb Jones. I would say that the guy that was really impressive at camp for both weeks and again at the scrimmages on Saturday and Sunday a week ago, on Wednesday night this past week, and on again in the scrimmage game that was available to many of you on EdmontonOilers.com on Saturday. Philip Broberg was as good as anybody in the first period of that game on Saturday. Like, he was really good. And Ethan Bear was also exceptional as well. So just food for thought in that regard. Speaking of food for thought, I should mention that – Roos Chris Steakhouse, greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated from Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. It's when it's open at Roos Chris. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that Oilers now sent you. At uh, 105 today, our headliner will be Ken Holland. We will head off to a global news weather and traffic update. David Bowles. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.